everybody. Welcome to Read This, Read That. I am Jackie Reed. I'm Joanne Reed. What's up, cousin? You know, I'm just in the world here, you know. I'm sorry. In the world. I'm in the world. How are you sleeping? Because you must spend all day watching this damn trial. And I mean, oh my God. It's been a lot. Well, I wore gold for my for my mommy's birthday. This would have been my mother's 90 sec, 92nd birthday. So I, I got I got a little gold on today for mommy. Um, but you know what? The impeachment trial that I have been covering, um, sleeping, eh, not so great, but because it, it's stressful to just listen to it and to watch the video yeah. that they're showing because the way that the Democrats are presenting this impeachment, they're showing like, uh, never before seen behind the scenes video from like the security cameras. Mm-hmm. They're mixing that in with the video that journalists got and they're doing it like in a, in a timeline where you're really feeling and seeing, but mostly feeling the terror that yeah. these people went through at the hands of these MAGA insurrectionists, you know, lynch mob. I call them a lynch mob because they went there to lynch the vice president, Speaker Pelosi, any Republican they got, God forbid, if they had got their hands on a member of the squad, they would have ripped them to shreds. One of the people who was one of the insurrectionist rioters, I don't even call them rioters, insurrectionist lynch mob members, who is a lawyer, posted on his Facebook page quite proudly that had they gotten their hands on, quote, crazy Nancy, meaning Speaker Pelosi, they would have ripped her to shreds. So it was a lynch mob. So, you know, and when you, when I think of all of this stuff and I, I feel the history of it, because to me, yeah. if you go back and look at the history of the way that lynchings were, the way they felt, we don't have live video of them. This is what they look like. Frantic, angry, mainly white men barging in, screaming, bring out Pence, hang Mike Pence, bring out Nancy. Where are they? Tell us where they are, fighting cops, hitting cops with poles, hitting them with flag poles, you know, beating police officers. Four police officers died. It's wild to me. I couldn't, I really couldn't watch a lot of it, even though it was interesting to see security camera, to see Mike Pence rushed out the way that he was, to see how close you know, these terrorists were actually to these, you know, to these congressional members. It was, it was terrifying to watch it again from those angles. I really had to limit because it's just, it, it's too much. But yeah. it just, what's frustrating to me about it, and I would love to know your thoughts on this is, I mean, where is it going to go? They're not going to get the votes that they need. Or do you think that there is a chance that a miracle could happen and no. that they're going to get the vote. So are they, are they do, like, what's the point, Joanne? So Is it to present it to the American people so that we can see, like, what are, the, I, 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 I think that they, like, I'm, I'm happy with what they're doing. I'm happy to mm-hmm. see the evidence. But what's the end game for the Democrats since they know they're not going to get the votes? Well, they don't know that. They go, they're going into it hoping that they can get 17 because basically you need a two-thirds vote. Two-thirds of the Senate they're needs to vote to convict. That. And, right, the most I've seen, the whip that I've seen the most they would get is six and I would be shocked if they got six six would be actually a pretty big win it would be the most because remember there's never been a conviction we've had four impeachments in United States history none of the four when three of three have already been you know gone to trial and of the three impeachments that have gone to trial none have resulted in conviction and Trump is one of the three so Trump is two out of the four convictions because Nixon resigned before he was ever impeached he was never actually impeached so of the four impeachments we've ever had in our history three resulted in acquittal so, so what we've they never... know that we don't know that they think that they can get the number of votes that they need I think what their their thought going into this is we're going to present a case that every single member, every all 100 of y'all experienced this with us. Y'all were hiding and running with us. Y'all were frantically, if you're Republicans, calling the White House, begging Trump to send help. All of y'all staffs were hiding under, under tables and hiding in rooms with us. You experienced this just like we did. You know exactly what he did. But we're, and, and I think what they've done that is very important for history. Because remember, impeachment itself is a punishment. Because again, only four 
presidents have ever been impeached, meaning indicted by the House. And the indictment, unlike a criminal indictment, is its own punishment because that lives on your record for the rest of history. So Trump being the only twice impeached president is a is a mark against him that will live. It's like a scarlet letter. So just impeaching him was a triumph. Now, the, 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 the trial itself is the truth and reconciliation commission without the reconciliation. This is a truth commission. This is the American people getting the full, unabashed, raw, with the cussing and everything included truth of the president of the United States fomenting an insurrection against the United States. Trump can never run from that now. He can never hide from it. And if these Republicans, every single one that votes to acquit him, that mark will go from him onto them. So to me, I don't care whether they quit him or not. He needed to be impeached and we need to find out which Republicans are men and women and which Republicans are devils, basically. Which Republicans are willing to sign on with the devil? Which Republicans are willing to become idolaters and worship Donald Trump like he is Baal, the golden calf? We will soon find out who everybody is. And I like to know who everybody is. So it'll be round two of Weekend at Bernie's. Uh, not Weekend at Bernie's, my cousin Vinny. <laughs> People be- are calling it Weekend at Bernie's because of the Vermont senator, the Vermont senator who's the lead, who, who is presiding over it. It's so, uh, late Pat Leahy. <laughs> Pat oh, Leahy's God. like, gran- he's like confused grandpa. But Pat Leahy's like, oh, what's happening right now? <laughs> There's been so many movie references, but my favorite is my cousin Vinny for yeah. Trump attorneys that he you know rounded up at the last minute i don't know i'm just like I, listen, I'm but wait jackie he has like a mob lawyer and jeffrey epstein's lawyer like he's got the worst attorneys in the history of attorneys this is when people say get yourself the confidence of a mediocre white man i'm not even sure these guys class is mediocre they're less than mediocre these are the worst lawyers i've ever seen in my entire life especially caster his his defense the first day was Hey, look at Pat Toomey over there. You. He's a great guy. <laughs> oh, my God. Guy. Look at this Capitol. It's a beautiful building. Have you ever been here before? I haven't. Well, this is a crazy giant. I can't believe how beautiful it is. Hey, you know, look, you guys seem like really good people. You really love the country, right? I love the country. You love the, the country. Bowl? Who doesn't love the country? Who watched the Super Bowl, huh? How was that? <laughs> Anybody? Who are you going for? I mean, it's kind of hard to go against the greatest quarterback in history. Oh, what, you don't think he's the greatest? Okay, let's talk about it. Hey, what's everybody going to have for lunch today? I'm thinking about the Salisbury steak. What was your first favorite commercial? It was like, are you serious? It was just like, it was, uh. Well, you got to love that Kamala. She's got a hell of a smile, right? Am I still allowed to say that? What year is it? Okay, okay, fine. I won't talk about her smile. Hey! (laughs) Watch out there, cat daddy. Can I say that? That sounds like Joe Biden. <laughs> oh, what am I defending Trump for? I don't know. What did he do? Is this Who's thing Donald on? Trump? Is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> and then the other lawyer, Schoen, comes out. So first he comes out and does that. Like, that's literally, we just, Jackie and I were just doing a more coherent version of Caster's defense than he did, okay? What we just did actually made more sense than what he did. Then the other guy comes out. And I think he might be the mob lawyer. Show it. And he says, um, if y'all do this to Donald Trump, we're going to come after every single one of y'all and find any tape of anything you ever said that was bad. And we're going to play it. We're going to play it. And then we're going to indict you. We're going to impeach you. How about if we impeach every single one of you bastards? You want to get impeached? You? It was, you like, it impeached? was, like, it was like Joe Pesci. It was like yeah. Joe Pesci. It was when he was like, ready to die. <laughs> It literally was like, I, I, I don't, it was like a threat. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to see, uh, you want to see the squad up here talking shit? You talking shit? You talk some shit. All right, I'm going to play you talking shit. You want to do a trial? I'll put you on trial. Well, what's sad <laughs> is that that's what Donald Trump had as representation, and they're still not going to get the votes that they need. No, because these Republicans don't have any souls. They have no souls in their bodies, no consciences. They already- They're they, cowards. And they're cowards. They're cowards. And they're, right. And the thing is already Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham and them, tonight they were off meeting with the defense attorneys to help they're them plot strategy. Them. They're coaching, they're coaching them. them. And I don't know how, they, some of these, some people are uncoachable, okay? <laughs> like me in, the, in gymnastics, back when I was doing gymnastics, uncoachable. Okay, some people are uncoachable. 
I tried, but girl, I, I was too afraid to flip over backwards. <laughs> that was a, that was a big downfall to doing gymnastics. <laughs> oh my God. Let me get my. If you're afraid to jump backwards and flip over. I was like, I'm not doing that. Can I, I, I do? Can gymnastics. I do without that? Let me. Let Did me you? Work with you? Yeah, I was. Girl, I, I competed in gymnastics from when I was very little through high school. I was wow. big in gymnastics. I loved it. But anyway. Um, <laughs> moving on moving on but can we just talk for a moment about one of the finest moments? i mean first of all the the house team has been phenomenal okay, all of them i gotta get off at 9 30 and we know i know but real quick all of them were great the big nagoos <laughs> joe nagoos from colorado fabulous swalwell was great joaquin castro all of them were great diana to get diana to jet whose mom was my kindergarten teacher i will have you all know uh diana to jet from colorado um all of them were great so pat cicilline all of them were great but i have to call out stacy plasquette who showed up to the hearing yesterday I in a it. full purple cape dress combo, fabulous matching ring, hair done like Michelle Obama. Like she had hired Michelle Obama stylist. Fabulous. It. She looked amazing. She looked like a queen. And and on top of that, she she made a good argument. Brilliant. Like, um, yes, not to put that aside because hers was the best presentation to me of all the whole thing yeah. because she's the one who walked you through that brand new, never before seen video. It was heart pounding. Like I literally watched it twice because it was literally like watching a movie and she, she cut through it. She went from now here's the schematic. The red dots represent the, the bad guys. Yeah. The blue dot is the officer, Officer Goodman, who was like the hero of all time. He saved Mitt Romney. He saved everybody. Yeah. The blue dot is Officer Goodman. These dots over here are the staff that are running away. And you can see them on the left of your screen, the dots getting closer and closer and converging on our people. And then the, the you know, and then on the right, you see the video, you hear the screaming, you see the brilliant. She just did so well. She was so Definitely good. Definitely did. And of you the U.S. Virgin in, Islands. Tune in hmm? to readout for a full breakdown of <laughs> everything that happened. <laughs> and, and by the way, you can get her dress at Rue La La. You will only hear that on this podcast. That's you probably can get, sold out. It's probably sold out, but it's on Rue La La. If you have Rue La La and you can download the app, that's where she got that from. And there's a whole story behind the way she got that outfit, which I'm, I'm going to try to tell on the readout. So you have to tune in the readout for that. Yes. trying to get her on. Yeah. I'm sure right, she'll so, come on very soon. Yes. She's lovely. Very, yeah. Very, yeah. Love her. Love her. Yeah. So um, moving on. Moving on, let's talk about, we have got to talk about the person who they are calling Gorilla Glue Girl, and that's the last time we're going to call her that. Her name is Tessica Brown. Have you been following this story? This is, I tweeted at you when you were asking, I can't remember, you were saying, should I get some person on your show? You asked on Twitter. You asked out to the Twitterverse, should I get this person on my show? And I was like, no, you need, I was like, yes. And you need to get Gorilla Glue Girl, who at the time, <laughs> but have you been following this? Because yes. there's been a lot, a lot of people, this started like Super Bowl weekend. Yeah. And for those who don't know, it is a black woman. I don't know how old she is. Her name is Tessica Brown. And she ran out of whatever gel she wanted, she needed to, you know, get her hair slicked down for, you know, like when you do the ponytail and use the gel mm -hmm. for those who wear that look to have it very slicked down. And she made the choice, she said in an interview, to use um, Gorilla Glue, the very strong adhesive that we all know so very well, strong to, mm -hmm. you know, kind of get her hair down and, and get it in place. Well, she tried that and her hair was glued to her scalp. She wore her hair, it was stuck that way. She could not, not water, she, not shampoo. She knocked not on it like it was wood. You, you Let me tell you, she wore it this way for a month. Um, yeah. And I'm telling you, it was, she was trending like crazy. And it, it became a huge story. And I do want to say that she did go to a plastic surgeon, I think today or yesterday in LA who offered a black man, Danaean from Ghana, but but remember before you missed the step because first she went to the ER. No, no, I'm she, going, I'm going, I'm just saying that I'm skipping ahead. I'm saying yes. he's fine. That yes. he went to this plastic surgeon who treated her for free, and I think it was like a twelve uh, a twelve thousand dollar procedure, treated her for free, mm -hmm. and now she is fine. Yes. Um, I worry about the toxins, but yeah, I mean, like you said, she went to the ER. Um, first she did a, a post and that's how we all found yes. out she was not on, on a uh, TikTok. Yeah. And I, at first I was like, is this a, a gag? Is she really right? 
But then we found out it was serious and she really didn't know what to do. My thing is that now that she has lawyered up, because she ended up going to the ER, we saw pictures of her there. They gave her some stuff and she was like, I don't want to do it here because they said it was going to take about 20 hours to treat. Can I do it at home? She went home, we saw her in pain because it was like acetate and stuff like that, which, ouch. But my thing is, and you tell me what you think, I don't understand because she's she has she hired a lawyer, whether or not she plans to sue or anything, we don't know why she hired a lawyer. I don't understand why Gorilla Glue did not instantly in hearing upon hearing about this story fly her to wherever they were or to whoever could fix this, why they did not step in to help her to say, okay, we have these scientists that put this together. Let's pull together a team of scientists. What's Let's the antidote? Give her the antidote. Figure it, out. it took this plastic surgeon who tested this concoction out on a, on a wig and was like, this is what we're going to do. And it actually worked. But I don't understand why Gorilla Glue didn't step up to try to do more. I, I don't know. And, and, and this is one of those situations where representation matters, right? I would love to see what does the board of directors of this company look like? I don't know who owns Gorilla Glue, the company that owns Gorilla Glue, whoever they are, whoever creates Gorilla Glue, the, if they don't have anyone on their staff that's in the promotions, marketing, corporate division, that really ha would have empathy for this young lady, right? They may have just enjoyed the word Gorilla Glue getting all you know out on Twitter and being on social media and seen it as just, yo, more proof that Gorilla Glue really is powerful, right? Like, right. I don't know. I would love to get a look inside that board because a lot of the times when these things happen, this is like the Pepsi, remember the Pepsi ad with one of the Kardashian girls that went all awry and everybody was like, because she like basically like snatches up a black girl and it's like really bad representation. You know, you got to wonder, are there any... It was Kendall huh. at a, um, it was a, it was a protest where she walked yes. from a, a line of police officers in riot gear and she gave them a Pepsi. Yeah. Um, and then she also was like, give me a wig. And then she takes like the black, the black girl gives her a wig. And people are like, why the black girl's got like your wig handler. And it just, it went wrong. But the, the team that put that together was not diverse. And so in their mind, they're thinking this seems fine, right? A lot of the bad decisions that corporations make are because they don't have diversity behind the scenes that can help advise them that this might be a thing you want to do because this is a huge, important story. Diversity as much as it is just compassion, for God's sake. But that's what you need. If you don't have anybody that can relate to this girl and they think she's a joke and they think, you know, ha, 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 and they think she's funny, they, they're not, if, they don't, if you don't relate to her as a human being, because at first people were mocking her on social media, and then that really changed when a lot of Black Twitter started really empathizing with her yeah. because she was a victim and, and people started to feel badly that they were mocking her. And so it kind of switched. There was a shift in the tone there of was. the tweets about her and yeah. the Instagrams about her. It suddenly became very sympathetic and no one clearly at the, whoever is, you know, runs Gorilla Glue or whoever owns that company, they never caught that. They never caught the shift from it being a joke to it being a very serious medical catastrophe that proves that Gorilla Glue is, can be dangerous, you know? So putting out statements, PR statements, and, you know, I just, I just, they just, to me, botched this completely. They missed the whole opportunity, you know, to take a, a humanitarian approach to this. Yeah. They missed it completely. And I mean, I, I think that they, but I'm happy that she is, like, I, I, I love the video of her rubbing her fingers through her loose hair she said yeah. she had to cut you know i don't know it you know what was her hair or you know whatever she said she had to cut her ponytail off yeah um you know before she went to this doctor but i i love that video like my heart went out for her and i've been, i even talked to friends of mine today who were like she's stupid she's just stupid who doesn't know how to do that and i was like listen we have all at one point or another in our lives made just a stupid call you know what I mean? Just made a yeah. stupid choice. And maybe, maybe you wouldn't have done this, but what else have you done in your life? Right. That was stupid. So not to have empathy for this woman is crazy for me. I don't know. But I, at first people didn't. I, when I oh, first saw the story, it was all mocking. Yeah, all it was mocking. all mocking. I'm mm -hmm. sorry for her because you know what I thought about too? Glue of that sort has toxins in it. Definitely. And that entering her bloodstream. And that too was like what I was concerned about why Gorilla Glue didn't say, hey, let's first get her to a doctor and make sure that we're doing what we need to do medically 
to make sure that there are not toxins entering yeah. her body so close to her brain. Like I, even though she went to the plastic surgeon to get this taken care of, I feel like someone to, should do a whole free medical workup for her and just yeah. make sure that there's not toxins in her body. Well, I'm hoping so. My, you know, we, I, we, she can't do it this weekend, but I'm hoping that Tiffany Cross for her show, it would be a great segment for her show because she does all these stories about people who are sort of, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a politics story. And since, you know, she doesn't have to strictly focus on politics on her show, I would love to see Tiffany interview her. I just think it would be a great interview and yeah. interview the Ghanaian doctor, because look, here you go. Africa comes to the rescue again. And the African doctor saved her. I love <laughs> it. I love I'm it. I'm happy about I, that. I love that he had the compassion, right? That he was like, yes. I'm going to wave the feet. Let me fix this. But look at how long she was out here. Yes. Just like, and nobody, like, it was like a month. It, it, uh, I, that that to me broke my heart. It broke my heart, but I'm glad. I was so happy to see that video. I can't. Was, I, I just couldn't get over it. Of her, but don't you think through her hair? Ooh, it was, and then she's banging. The the the, the, the other thing to me about it that's horrible is this um, the pressure that's on girls and young women to try to have this perfection that she was going for with this hair. And the reason she did it in the first place is she's trying to achieve this sort of almost otherworldly perfection for, our, and our hair doesn't lay that flat. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's hard for our hair to do that, you know? So it's like, I, it, it makes me sad to think that she felt she had to do, go to that extreme to have this look when she's a beautiful girl, just the but way she not, is. So it's not even that. It doesn't even rest with that for me, whether or not you have relaxed hair, right? And you want it or, or, or you just want to, if you have natural hair and you just want it to be straight, you want to have a blowout or whether or not you have natural hair and you're looking for this coil or that coil, or, you know what I mean? It's just, you know, I, I, it, it's just like a whole brainwashing to me of so many black women, not all just to be so perfect and not to be just who we are. Listen, I get caught yeah. up in it. I get caught up mm -hmm. in it all the time. And that's why I love um, Michaela Cole, you know, the actress that we love yeah. so much. Because when you see her on interviews and stuff, her hair is whatever it is that day. Or she's bald. Not, she's not giving, or bald, right? <laughs> she's just care. giving you where she is. I yes. Mean, that bone structure, everything. Her hair, she's like, I am not, she lives the song, the lyrics, I am not I'm my not my hair. hair. Yeah, she very lives, much so. She really, really does. So no, she I does. get you. And we, we all need to, to move away from that for sure. Indeed. Well, we have a great guest. Speaking of beautiful people. I know. I love her so much. She has a new book out um, called Bevelations. It's really good. It tells her life story. You know, her dad recently died and she just talks about you know, that relationship and her relationship with her family and growing up in Harlem, it really is a great read. And it's a side of Bevy that that you have not seen if you've just seen her on television. And I've known her for years and you have too. And I really got to know more of her story um, with this book. So Bevy, the one and only yes. Smith is coming up. I feel like we can just call her Bevy at this point. So we love this woman so much, and we are so happy to have her on the Read This, Read That podcast. No other than Miss Bevy Smith herself, and she has a new book that we are going to talk about, Bevelations, Lessons from a Mother, I don't even have to say it, Auntie Bestie. I love this. Hey, Bevy, we love you so much. How are you yes, doing? Yes, we do. I love you guys so much, too, and thank you for having me on Read This, Read That. I've only been on here one other time. So it's always an honor whenever I get an opportunity to chat with both of you fabulous ladies. Well, thank you. Know, thank you. So, much. so let's start off talking about the book. There's so many things that we can talk to you about. We're going to hold on to you as long as we can. So the book, I heard you saying earlier before we started actually recording um, that you're glad that you're you know done with the process of writing. What was the process of writing like for you? Because Joanne hates writing. She's writing another book right now. I love she writing. Process, but she, no, no, not that you don't like, you don't like the process of going through yeah doing a book. I don't mean yeah. writing, but it's a process, right? It's a process. It's a process. But you know what? I, I think for me, um, it would have been a lot less daunting um, if I had been in the right mental space. I was literally working a job that I was not very happy at. And so, and also my hours were really intense for me. Like, 
I don't like to have to, well, one, I don't like, I don't like to be obligated to do anything. Yeah. I, I'm a free spirit. That's why I hate contracts. In the book, I talk about being a commitment phobe. And I say, that's how you wind up 54 and single. <laughs> commitment freaks me out and signing contracts just like puts a pit in my stomach. And so when I have to show up somewhere, that's one of the reasons why I quit my big fancy job because I hated knowing that I was obligated to show up at a job every single day. Just not my jam. Um, and so at this, uh, at page six TV, I had a very early call time, which is not my jam because as you ladies know, we see each other out socially a lot before um, COVID. And so I'm a social butterfly and, and nighttime is the right time for me, mm. you know? So, um, you know, having to be up so early so I could like actually go and do TV and that was a long day, you know, you would get out of there at like three o'clock. So like eight to three, I felt like a school teacher. And then I would go over to Bevelations and do my radio show. And so then I would have to eke out time in, in between the shows to write. Um, when we had downtime at Page Six TV, I would go into my office, close the door and write. But that's not the best way to write a book. Yeah. I'm having flashbacks of, every, of all the books that I've done because this is it. When you have a really busy schedule, it's hard to fit all of it in. And so I just literally just had a bit of a panic attack. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> let's talk about something else that you said before we were recording that I think will shock a lot of people because you said, I am so glad that I don't have to be talking about fashion. Because in your book, you're talking about you. You're talking about life. You're talking about your, you know, your journey. But people so much associate you, ma'am, with fashion. So to the extent where I myself did a Bevelation 911 call <laughs> when Michelle Obama walked, I should say, stalked out um, onto her homemade runway called the Capitol right. during the inaugural with, you know, with Barack Obama by her side. No one even noticed. Stunning outfit. Right, no one no, even noticed the former president. She was stunning. And, you know, I, I immediately did an emergency text because I, that I go on the air and I say, Ladies, you know, Michelle, you know, uh, Rachel Maddow and Nicole Wallace and Brian Williams. Can I just for a moment, please talk about this fashion that yeah. we're seeing on my TV? And I was like, I need to know who made, who actually created this. And I texted you and you were right there. You're my 911. <laughs> so talk about the fact that you're so associated with fashion. Are you like done with fashion? Yeah, I literally quit my job at Rolling Stone Magazine as the fashion, um, the senior director of fashion advertising to be done with fashion. It was, and the only reason why I continued to be um, a part of fashion in a very kind of peripheral way is because that's what got me on TV. Because I, you have to have an expertise to be on TV if you're going to be coming into TV so late the way I did. You know, Jackie's been on TV since she was a child. And, you know, she was a child star. Yeah. But I came into TV, I started doing TV at the age of 38. And so how do you get on TV? Well, you can go on TV as an expert. Well, what's your expertise? Well, I'm no fashion backwards and forwards, yeah. so I can talk about it. But that's not what really fuels me. It hadn't fueled me for a very long time. And so, you know, I was very happy for the opportunity. I was very happy to do Fashion Queens. Um, and that was a really great time I had doing that. But I was very happy when I started to, like, branch out into pop culture things. I, and, that, and that's one of the reasons why I also love Bevelations, my radio show, because we've had everyone from Stacey Abrams on to, you know, Samuel Jackson, to Kate Hudson. So I don't have to be stuck in that linear space. I very rarely ever talk about fashion, really, on my radio show. So people now know, if they listen to Bevelations, they know I have a much broader kind of, um, you know, uh, um, a range of topics that I can discuss. Um, but yeah, if you just know me from um, Bravo's Fashion Queens, you think, oh yeah, she's the fashion girl. If you've only seen me on Good Morning America discussing Oscars fashion, I get it. And I'm very proud that I can do that because there's not a lot of black women in that yes. space that can do the kind of analytical um, fashion, um, you know, discussion that I can do. But, you know, I'm over it. Well, you know, what's interesting, though, you know, in the book, Bevelations, you talk about all of this. You talk about fashion and how, you know, you got your start just in the business and then how you evolved out of it and then all of the things that you've done. And I love this book so much because, you know, you, you are a very smart woman. Um, and the book is written in that way. It shows your brilliance, but it also shows, you know, just how 
approachable you are and just it talks all about her life your parents the relationships and i think that to this day you are able to move in and out the fashion world and know what michelle obama is wearing you know in the moment because of the relationships that you've built built along yes. the way and that's a big thing that you talk about um in this book was this something that came naturally to you just the not just it's not just networking i don't yeah, think it's not networking you it's know not, why I never, it's not networking because networking is predatory yes say is, it. you go into a room and you yes. make a line for the most important person in the room yes. and that's who your focus is and anyone who is not deemed important you have no time for that's yeah. right that's that's not my game because first of all it's a very hollow existence right <laughs> like mm-hmm. to talk to people because you want something out of it. Yes, them. right. You know, it should be a reciprocal thing. Relationships, you know, and connectivity. And so for me, I think that I am, um, well, one, I'm really curious about people. Um, so that helps, right? Because it's so funny because, you know, um, I do have this bigger than life persona and all that kind of stuff, but I really am a shy, nerdy girl. So I'm a great observer as well. And yeah, that's well, something I don't know. Thank you for comfort for standing up for the nerds because you know we do need a queen and we will we will accept uh, the relation. No, I, I think that you're the queen, baby. <laughs> first of all, you're you're not a nerd at all. You have made politics cool and fabulous and all the things. So, oh, and by the way, my stylist who did me for Fashion Queens and for um, Ambassador Magazine, she reached out to you. She really is dying to get her hands on you. Oh. You're such a beautiful and fabulous woman. She's And she is obsessed with your show. So she Uh-oh. knows to work with you. Well, we, yeah, well we will make, There's a we long will line of people from all walks of life who are dressing to me. Right the nerd now. army is coming it's for y'all and for y'all fashion. But you, I, I wanted to ask you this too, because I'm glad that you talked about that, about being shy. Cause I, I'm the same way. Like people would not believe it about me either, but you know, I really did grow up as a shy, nerdy tomboy. Like, and so, you know, I found a way to kind of fit in because I have a sense of humor and I could always kind of laugh my way out of getting my ass kicked. <laughs> so, you know, when I would, when I would be a smart ass and I would be, you know, threatened, I could laugh, get people to laugh and get them to not beat my ass. But, um, you know, I think for a lot of young people who are, don't feel self-confident, which I never did, um, how do you exude that confidence? Because I think part of it is a little bit of acting. Like, you kind of have to exude it, and then you start to feel it inside. Does, that, does it work that way for you? Well, no, because um, I honestly changed my life for the first time ever when I was 13 years old. I was bullied um, in junior high school, and then I became um, a handmaiden to the cool girl. So I was able to be in the cool clique, but at, you know, right on the edge. I always say, you know, I was at the table, but I was at, you know, with the folding chair and with the food on my lap. <laughs> and then I had and then I had money so I could pay for everyone's lunch, right? Yeah. So at 13 years old, I said, well, this can't go on because i looked at the girls and i said it's not that hard to be cool and it's certainly not that hard to be the coolest of the cool um and 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 i knew i had all the ingredients because in my community in the hood in harlem you had to be cute you had to know how to dance you had to have a quick wit and you had to be fly and and you know my my mom is a is a fashion plate so she you know made sure that we had the clothes and the garments um, you know, the Smitty took care of my little cute little brown face. <laughs> and, um, you know, I know how to dance really well. And, and if you've ever seen me on TV, you know, I have a quick wit. So I knew I could do it, but I just had to break out of their shadow. Because if I had gone to the same high school, I would have forever been the girl who was the fourth rung of the cool girls. Yeah. So I switched schools. And that created a whole new life for me. And that was the first time I ever took control of my narrative. And what that gave me was confidence. Because I I realized I could change my life. I I realized I had agency over my life. Yeah. And that's such a wonderful thing to realize at such a young age. You have adult women who still don't know that. Um, One of the things I love, Bevy, in this book is that how you talk about being an influence, influencer before many of us knew what an influencer was. And that was the story behind how you created Brunch with Bevy. And I want you to talk about that because I love the story. I love how real you are about just really being broke. You yeah. know what I mean? And not having anything. It's just tell a little bit of that story about how, you know, you came up with the concept um, for Brunch 
with Bevy and where your life was at that moment before then? Yeah, it was great. You know, I had quit my job at Rolling Stone Magazine where it was in 2005. I was making about $350,000 a year in 2005. I come from a community where the household income, median household income for a family of four is about $40,000. Okay, so suffice to say, I was making very good money, okay? And so I was unhappy and I was miserable, so I decided to quit my job. So I have some money saved, I'm thinking I'm great, but I didn't realize how much of my life was expensed. All of my meals, all of my car services, all of my phones, all of my, most of my travel, it was insane. So when I went out on my own, I miscalculated how much money I actually needed. I was like, oh, I just need two years of, of rent. Oh, no, child. I needed a whole lot more because I didn't realize just how much the job had given me, the perks of the gig. Mm. So I, I, I ran out of money and um, I was broke one holiday season and I was at Nobu at a, a, a fashion industry dinner. And I looked around the room and I realized I was the only, I was, there was only one other black person there. But I was the only person there that had no um, corporate affiliation. I, wasn't, I was no longer with a magazine. I wasn't with a fashion house. I was just there. And I was like, oh my gosh, these people really fool with me, Bevy Smith. I don't even need a, 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 an affiliation to get invited to these kind of really amazing spaces and rooms. So I, you know, drunk, happy, you know, all the lychee martinis at, at Noble. And when I'm leaving... Amarion comes out of nowhere and it's like, I've been looking for you, the R&B singer. Mm-hmm. I had dressed him for a shoot that I had done at Vibe Magazine. He said, we should work together. I said, I was just at a dinner you should have been at. And then I realized there's no way for Amarion, an R&B singer, to get in the room with Hugo Boss and Gucci and Prada and GQ. And that's why he can't do it. Unless someone like me brings him in. Because I, the, the, I have the credibility in the space. I have the credibility in the urban music space as well. So I said, oh, I'm gonna bring them all together and I'm gonna create something that I had been doing when I was over in Milan and Paris at the fashion shows. I would do dinner parties for my, my music artists and for fashion houses. So I created Dinner with Bevy and that really sustained me. But in the meantime, in between time, I had gone from like that $350,000 to $35,000. Wow. So 10% of what I used to make. But I was in the, ch- in the, the chapter is called Broke But Blissful because I was very happy even though I was very broke. And the reason why I was very happy is because I set out to do TV and to write. And at the time when I, I ran into Amarion, I was on E, VH1, BET, doing all those talking head stints that don't pay you any money, but get your face out there. Mm-hmm. I was writing for Essence, Glamour Magazine, Interview Magazine, Paper Magazine. As a matter of fact, I wrote one of Rihanna's first ever cover stories for Paper Magazine. So wow. I was doing great work. But the money just hadn't caught up to, to the work as of yet. But right. you know, I stayed in it, and now it's all good. It's all gravy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, you're in. You're, the sto- your story is very inspiring because you're right. You you literally are a sort of kind of rags to riches story where you just made yourself. You built your own brand. A lot of people are going to listen to this, and they're what they're going to want is advice from you. And and I know they can get it from the book, and they need to buy the book so you can get the full advice. But give a teaser on the advice of how do you build a brand? Um, I have this really great chapter in my book called The Red Soul Proposition. And it stems from the fact that once upon a time, Manola Blahnik was the issue. When you look at Sex in the City, um, the, the TV show, Carrie is obsessed with Manola Blahniks. That was the issue. If you look at Sex in the City, the movies, the girls had moved on to Kristen Louboutin. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, it's because Kristen Louboutin had a red soul. That's the only real point of difference. It had a red soul. That allowed Christian Louboutin to increase the prices on a designer shoe. Um, it allowed uh, him to usurp Mansoura Blahnik, who had been in the business of shoes for about 30 years, that everyone was everyone had to wear Blahnik. So I said to myself, how can I become a Blahnik? Because what I wanted to do was to make sure that whatever work I was doing, I was going to be paid very well and at the top of the food chain. So I said, what can I do to make sure I stand out like I have a red soul, like I'm a a blonde, I mean, like I'm a Louboutin. Mm -hmm. So three questions. Who are you at your core? How are you being perceived? How would you like to be perceived? And for me, what I found out is the things that people buy into for me um, and that really garner me the coins 
is my authenticity, um, my relatability, but also my aspirational aspects of my life and the way I operate in the world. And so, and that really all goes back into the authenticity part. And it all goes back into the core of who I am, Lulu Brown Bevy, the shy, curious, empathetic girl who's very adventurous and always up for a challenge. And those are all the things that I bring to all the work that I do. And that's why I'm able to get red soul prices, whereas many people are still stuck on pay less prices. Okay, now, okay, now. Well, one of the things that you and I talk (laughs) a lot about, a, a lot of times just off camera when we're off in a corner somewhere or at a restaurant is dating. And so I I love talking to you about dating um, and I'd love to know where you are and, you know, just where you are. What's the pandemic, Jackie? (laughs) (laughs) Dating in the, in the pandemic. That's like a whole nother thing. I'm not talking about sex. I'm just talking about your philosophy on dating. Where are you with dating? Because my philosophy on dating is this, my life is cake. My man will be my icing. For many years, I expected my man to be the cake and the icing. I literally Mm -hmm. expected a man to come in and to fulfill me and to make me happy. And I finally got off that kick when I was around 33 years old. And that's really when I began to really change my life. So thank God I didn't marry that guy that I thought was going to marry. Because I would have done none of this. If I had married him, I would have done none of this. I would have never seen the world. I would have never been a writer. I would have never... Uh, been a TV personality, none of it, because he had a great um, career um, in music, and I had a great career in fashion, and together we were a power couple before J and B, because he had access that was fabulous, and I had access, and we were traveling, and it was cute, mm. but I would have been stuck at a job because he literally said to me, "Okay, I don't know what it is that you want to do, but we need two incomes if we're going to get married and have the life that we want." So. Mm. Yeah, all of this, you want to quit to figure it out and find yourself, that's not going to work. Okay. Mm. Wow. So, but, but that's fine. wonder what he's saying now. <laughs> well, child, he would not want no parts of this. We're different. <laughs> We're different. Uh, he wouldn't want any parts. I mean, this is a lot to deal with. Like most men, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get started on the, the nice men. But what I will say is this, that a lot of men um love a starter chick and they love a woman that they have to build up so that they are in control right and a lot of men also really appreciate a woman who is a wounded bird they can swoop in and save the day Mm -hmm. fine not knocking that but i'm i don't have those things going on you know i had a great father so i don't have i'm not ever calling you daddy you know it's all the things (laughs) so anyway My philosophy on dating is this. I am very open to dating. I want to date um, in a vigorous manner. I am working with a love coach. It's so funny because she's doing a bunch of seminars um, this whole weekend. But I'm like booked to the gills with, I'm I'm starting to act. So I'm booked to the gills because I have an acting gig next week. So I'm- Wait a minute. Uh, Hold on. Yeah, don't be in the Sex in the City series. I wish I was, but I am talking to SJP. Please believe that, because you know we got a mutual friend in Andy Cohen. You oh, need to be. You need to be in that. You need to be in that. I do. Yes, you yes. do. I know. Listen, I've I've, to, I've told several friends of SJP. Now I got to get up in SJP's ear. Um, but so I'm like really stuck in doing that, and so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna miss her love seminars, but I I um have consultations with her, because what I want to do is I dated over the summer, and I called her one time. After I had gone on a date four times with this guy, but no spark. And she said, but, you know, I said, should I go out with this guy again? And she said, well, you don't have a spark? I was like, no. And she's like, do me this favor. Go out one last time. This time, look in his eyes, touch his arm, flirt vigorously, and see what happens. See if there's any spark. I did it all. We had a five-hour date. It was amazing. And I still don't want to have any kind of conjugal visits with him. So that one is off the books. Okay. Um, but I did. I tried. I, I, tried. I thought I tried. she was going to say, and there were sparks. No. no listen, spark. if you didn't have sparks in four dates, the fifth date ain't going to Listen, I could give you some low coaching for free. If you don't have sparks after one, 
Just no, tell him goodbye. No, no, that's not true. That, not after one. That, that, the guy that I was really in love with, it took a while for me to spark it up for him. And then when I sparked it up, I was just like head over heels with him. So sometimes I think that a lot of times we, um, we can sabotage ourselves with our... Uh, you know, our, uh, our superficial likes about men. Like I have a very specific type that I like, but the, the, the guy that I was going to marry was not that type. Right. And I, and I adored him. So maybe it could, you know, but then there were other things that didn't work out. But, okay, um, but after four and a point in the fifth date. But no, but that over. guy took probably six days. <laughs> oh wait. So there was one after the fifth? After no, the I'm saying the guy from the, um, the guy that I could have married. Oh, 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 him. Okay. You have more patience than I do, ma'am. I have, I have no, I, I have, I have patience. But you have to remember something. You dated, you dated in, in, when you were a child. I mean, she you, was, no, I didn't. How what? old were you when you got married? He was no, 15. so, what are you talking about? No, I got, I got, well, so here, it is true. I married my first, like, sort of real boyfriend out of, out of college. I dated in college, but, uh, but we were like 20, we got together when we were pulled probably like 22. We got married when we were, were 27. Children. Yeah, we were 20, yeah. Were no, I got married, yeah. And we already had two kids. I was pregnant <laughs> with our second kid when we got married. Girl, I did it backwards. <laughs> you were a child, so you don't understand grown-up dating. You don't, you have That's no, true. No, you you're right. That's yeah. true. I, I got married. So I got married. I mean, literally when I was married with kids, I was in my 20s. I had all my kids in my 20s. So all my friends were dating in their 30s and I was already sad. You know, I had three kids and a husband. So you're right. No, you're right. Yeah. No, yeah. so you don't know what it's like to be an adult. It's no. different because yeah. when you're an adult, you, you, I mean, you have so much other stuff that comes along with it. Yeah, my that's true. Says, my mom, who was married until, you know, over 50 years until my daddy died in April, she's always like, yeah, you know, um, you know, the, the thing is, you know, baby, you might be stuck in your ways, and which makes me laugh because my mom was like 38 when she married my dad. So I'm like, well, girl, <laughs> um, you were stuck in your ways, girl. But I actually do not have marriage as a goal. Yeah. I just have a big monumental relationship as a goal. And it's in my book. It's because I use this book as a vision board. Mm. So I put out all the things that I want to manifest in my life, and I'm very honest in it, in the book. So there's a chapter called Dare to Dream, where I'm putting big, bold dreams into the ether because I want the universe to hear my, my roar and hear my plea and to deliver mm. these things. And so I'm taking the chance. I, when I did the view, I, they said, what's next for you, Bevy? And I said, well... My goal is to be like Whoopi and Ega. I said that on national TV in front of Whoopi. And Whoopi says, and you're going to do it, Miss B. And I was like, <laughs> that's why Whoopi's my fairy godmother. <laughs> she's going to encourage me like that. But I love that. You know, that's a very big thing to say on national television. Yeah. Um, and you, you're not an actor or a singer. And, but you go and say, you want to you be an Ega? Yeah. Why do you want to get the Ega status, girl? But I actually have an Ega plan. And I put it in the book. So again, I'm using this book as a vision board and I want to teach people to, uh, um, to dare to dream, but also to be brave enough to say their dreams aloud yes. and don't worry about if you don't actually hit that mark, you'll go somewhere else. The journey will take you somewhere else exactly where you're supposed to be. I love that you're doing that because I am a hundred percent believer in vision boards. I have done this for years since the mid to the early 2000s. It's been a thing that has changed my life. Absolutely. And people think it's like a, a sort of a goofy, like Zen thing, but no, believe it or not, it works. Cause when you speak your, your desires into existence, it's more than just praying about it. It's actually making yourself accountable by writing it down and saying, I want to visualize this and see it and speak it out loud. It is so powerful. So I'm glad that you're doing that. But then you also have to do the work. And do the work, yes. Otherwise, it's just the pictures on the board. That's right. That's I, mean, I have right. to ask, you mentioned, you know, your um, dear father died um, in April of 2020. How are you doing just with everything in general? Where are you with that? I know it really was a heartbreaking, understandably experience for you. But just in general, with everything that's going on with the world, how are you doing, like right now? Let me tell you something. When my daddy was in the rehab facility, um, I would go and see him every day, and I would read the paper to him. Yeah. And so, so I would read the the um, I would read the paper to my dad, and I'd be like, "Daddy, 
oh, wow, this, this, this flu is like really bad. It's, you know, from China and it's really bad. And it's like, you know, it, we, we need to, you know, maybe prepare that's going to come here. And when it got to Italy in, I guess, January, and, and that's around the time where everyone goes to Milan and Paris for the shows too. So I had a lot of friends that were coming back and they were sick. And no one knew then there was coronavirus. Yeah. But, you know, people were coming back sick and everything. And then remember, Italy was in a full-on shutdown. It was turmoil. And that was around January, February. I was talking to my daddy. And so by the time it got to America really bad, that last week of February 1st, top of March, I already started flying with a mask and with the, the you know, doing the Naomi Campbell wipe down of the seats and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But one of the things I also did when we shut down, New York City shut down February, I mean, March 13th, Friday the 13th, I immediately got in touch with a teletherapist. Because I was like, I need to go back into therapy because we're shutting down a city. Yeah. The city that never sleeps. We're about to be in shutdown. This is not, this is not gonna be a good thing. I live alone and I'm single. This seems like a recipe for a disaster. This seems like a recipe for a mental breakdown. So I got myself into therapy and good thing I did because I actually um, contracted um, coronavirus. I, I started feeling sick probably on like the 13th. Wow. And then of course my daddy died a month later. So I will say this, I think that none of us knows how we're doing because we're all just going through the motions. And I, don't, and I think that what has happened to us in this past year, not to mention the past four years, has really done a number on all of our psyches and all of our spirits, all of it. But I think that we're just powering through. So I don't know if any of us really know what, how we're doing. We're just, you know, I'm just trying to take all the precautions. I go to my, I do my therapy once a week and sometimes twice a week. You know, my daddy's birthday was Monday, so I did it two times this week, you know. You know, so I try and like gird my loins. I try and protect myself. I do my self-care things. I take my baths. I shut down my night very early. That's because I couldn't do later with you guys because I'm like, ooh, that's going to be too late for me. I can't stay up that late. You know what I mean? So I do these things to protect myself so that I can have as much wellness as, as possible. But I, I think all of us are damaged goods from this. I really do. For sure. Oh, Definitely. Well, Bevy, listen, we want you to make bedtime. We yes. love that you are here with us and you have to come back. We have to do a show just on relationships because I would love to hear what all three of us have to say in a conversation. Yes. About I would love to do a Let's show do that. relationships. Because right? honestly, I, I am, I, like I told you, I put it in the book. I'm an open book when it comes to wanting and desiring a very good and healthy relationship. And in case you guys know of anyone, he does not need to live in New York City. Ooh, and I, I love would, that. I love that. I would kind of prefer if he didn't, because I yeah. have a lot going on, and then I, I want to step away and go see you. So you can have space. Space is important. Yeah. <laughs> Says the woman who's been married for 30 <laughs> trillion years. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, that's the people well, who the most think space is important, by the I way. I know. It is true. It is true. So the book is Bevelations, you guys, by our friend Bevy Smith. Bevy, we love you so much. Please come Yes. Up. Um, and congratulations on the book and everything that you're doing and stay safe and stay sane. Wait, before we let you go, Bevy, and I know oh, you're not in the fashion anymore, but I got a, one quick thing before I let you go. Give us a grade on Stacey Plaskett. I don't know if you got a chance to see Representative Plaskett's uh, cape outfit. Um, she, to me, I thought she looked regal and beautiful. But before we let you go, what did you think? Real quick. I thought she looked regal and beautiful. And I love that it was a very affordable price point. It's like yes. $86. I thought that was great. I was like, good for her. Because, you know, you can be stylish and you don't have to pay, you know, $3,000 for a dress. So I yes, love Absolutely. And I also love the fact that, you know, it was in keeping with all heroes wear capes. And she certainly was a hero. Amen. I love Bevy, that. Thank you. Bevy, okay. go to bed. Go to bed. Cheers, Bevy. Cheers. 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 Bye. Well, that does it for us on Read This Read That. What are you going to do for you this weekend, Joanne? Sleep? Well, uh, I'm actually headed, uh, you know, to the city. I got some stuff to do, but we're at my, uh, Jason and I are going to drive to the city just for the weekend and we're going to spend Valentine's 
weekend in New York City. So that should be fun. So I'm going to be texting you because I want to get, you told me about a restaurant that I need to get the information for it, um, about that. And I'm going to be doing a yeah. special, uh, I do have to work a little bit because uh, we are doing uh, all day coverage of impeachment this weekend. So I will be on 10 p.m. to midnight Saturday night talking impeachment because the Republicans will have done their case and then there'll be the rebuttal on Saturday. So I'll be doing that. Oh what are you going to be doing for you? Uh, I am going to be celebrating Valentine's Day with my boyfriends. <laughs> with your boo. With my boo. That's my whole weekend. It is just like, you know, trying to, I, I'm a big, um, he, it's so funny. He calls it love Christmas because of how much Valentine's Day means to me. And he didn't get that. It meant that much to me. Our first, <laughs> he's like, Oh wait, so this is like a love Christmas. This is like another Christmas. I was like, yeah. <laughs> love Christmas. No, it's, it's funny. That, so this year, cause you know, uh, Jason, he always, he, every year he would get me like a, a, a creature, right? So I have every manner of creature. I have bunnies. I have elephants. I have bears. Like I have everything and there. It's like, there was a whole world. So I was like this year, let's not do a creature. So he's like, uh, okay. So he came up with a great gift. One thing I will say is as we- it is early. Well, no, he gave me early as we have become been because we know we've been together so long or Valentine's Day is, you know, it, it, he gives me early. It's fine. But um, it, it, he gave me a great gift. He's become a really good gift giver. I used to be the ch champion gift giver of the couple and he's got to be good. So now I got to be competitive. I'm like, I got to think of a better gift that, you know, that, you know, because he'd be getting good gifts now. So what you going to get? I got to think of something. <laughs> well, we're traveling. We're, we mean, part of the gift is the trip that we're just going to do. You know, we're making a weekend of it. So that's, nice. to me, that's half the gift, right? Yes. <laughs> that is. That time together. You should come up with some fun games in the car, you know, while he's driving. Just some fun games that you all can play together. Do a little basket in the car. Of Girl, that's so you. I would never do that. I'd be like, you want to play a game? And he's going to be like, are you possessed with the devil? Because that ain't you. <laughs> Who are you and where is Get my out of my car, devil. <laughs> Put you by the side of the road. He would never think of me. We have been together so long. You do not understand. We, we have been together since the 90s. <laughs> that whole shtick right there was like 15 years ago. We just cool. We, we are like best friends, husband, wife. Like we're, we're, we're like past all of that stuff. So we're not as, as love Christmas, but we have fun and we are besties and we do, every, we do lots of stuff together. We produce the other podcasts um, that I do together. So yeah, because we had and we work because at this time more than ever, don't you appreciate being with someone who is a good partner? Yes, through all of this craziness in the world, right? A hundred percent. Somebody who keeps like he is like one of the team of people who keeps my life organized. He keeps the family or life organized. Like yeah. he makes sure the bills get paid on time. <laughs> that matters. That, that is at the end of the day. He's improved my credit. <laughs> That's what they don't show in the romantic comedies or the, ro no. or in the notebook and things like that, right? That's right. what they don't show. It's the partnership that you have with someone. That's right. That really matters. Well, yes. And we, one day when we do do our Yumi and Bevy uh, relationship show, that's the stuff we got to talk about because you're right. Everybody gives you like the Google's, the Google cutesy stuff from the beginning, but no, that's the beginning. What you need is a partner, somebody that you guys can, you're, even if you're not working together, working together, like we have a production company together, but even if you're just quote unquote working together in life, you have to be able to work together on that stuff because, you know, any kind of life you're building with somebody, whether you're married or not, and I don't think people have to get married, by the way, I'm not, in, you know, I don't believe people should be pushed for that. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to be working with somebody and building a life, you have to be able to like make functional shit work. You know what I mean? That stuff is important. I agree. I so agree. So with that, my dear friend, because we know we have a heart out for you because we want you to get your sleep, ma'am. I'm all for yes. that. I'm all for wellness. Wellness, self-care. Okay, well, you can catch Jackie Reed on New York Live with another lady at 11.30 a.m. on a weekdays in New York City. But if you are catching Miss Jackie in Boston, it's at 12.30. So it's 11.30 if you're in New York. It's 12.30 if you're in Boston. But you must catch her. More important, well, it's just as important. But it's, it's more important than in some ways because this is your passion jackie my baby vegan yeah. sexy cool so vegan sexy cool punto com vegan sexy cool which is also an instagram with gorgeous photos fabulous Aww. stuff i enjoyed even though i'm not vegan i just enjoy the pictures and the ideas and the recipes and stuff so and the fashion so vegan sexy cool.com thank you you're not vegan yet 
This is a fabulous <laughs> dress that I have on with some vegan leather. And yes, of course, you can follow my cousin ever, or you can follow her on social media at Joy Ann Reed. Is it at Joy Ann Reed for everything, Joy Ann? Everything except Facebook, which is Joy Reed official, but everything else is Joy Ann Reed. I keep it simple. That's good to know. Joanne Reed. And then, of course, watch the readouts every weeknight at 7 p.m. on MSNBC. And then my girl has a fabulous podcast called What to Read, which you can follow anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please listen yes. and subscribe. Download, download, download. Download down, and download us, too. Please give us a good rating yes. if you enjoy this podcast. We have so many great guests coming up. We love interviewing our friends and interviewing celebs and, you know, Give us a good rating and, you know, tell a friend to download us. Yes, please. And follow us on social media at Read This, Read That. And on Twitter, leave off the tea for savings. For savings. Well, thank y'all for tuning in. Bye. Bye. <laughs>